Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, good morning, and uh, again, my name's Kenny, and uh, I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here, and we're glad you're here. And I don't know about you, but uh, I actually really like working in and on teams. Anybody here a, a, a team player? You like operating on teams. Okay, a few people. Uh, raise your hand if you are more of a like, yo, I'm, I'm a solo artist. Uh, I'm going I'm to I'm fly this thing by myself. I don't need nobody. All right, cool. Yeah, there's some of y'all. Um, I, I remember as long as I can think back around being on and with teams, uh, I, I can even remember back on my T-ball baseball team. I remember some of my friends uh, playing on that team all the way through, uh, man, little league and into high school, playing on a college or a high school baseball team. And uh, I remember my teammates uh, in the marching band who marched along with me. I remember folks who were in the choir uh, with me in the choir that I sang in. And it's just been something as I thought back, I just remember always being a part of a team. And I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, I, I don't necessarily remember the wins and losses of certain things, but I, I do remember people, and I do remember working alongside of people. I remember some of the conflict at times as well, no doubt, right? Um, I remember some of our leaders and coaches, but I, I just, I love the idea of team. And if you've not been around Home Church any, you may not know this, but we actually operate as a team here at Home Church as well. Uh, we have a team of overseers who are outside of our church who provide uh, oversight and leadership and accountability to us as a church. We have a team of qualified and, and, and called elders who are a part of our church here locally who uh, they and their families, along with me and my family, uh, help lead our church uh, by the way of making decisions and, and, and spiritually helping lead us locally. Uh, we have a staff team who literally, they make everything run for us uh, operationally throughout the week. Uh, we have teams of volunteers that make the day happen on Sundays and throughout the week. So, I mean, literally, Home Church operates as a team as well. And so I, I love this idea of team. And for, for those of you who maybe struggle with team, I, I get it. I, I understand there's been times where I like to do some things on my own as well. Uh, the truth is, is that many of us have this old adage, well, you know, it, no one can do it better than me anyway, so I'm just going to do it myself, right? Um, but there's an interesting thing that I think most people don't understand, and it's that our God actually is the founder of teams. Most people don't know this. Our God actually operates and is a God of team. So uh, most people don't necessarily think through this very often, but our God, Yahweh, our one true and only God, actually operates in three persons. One God in essence, three persons. That's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so even in the very beginning of the scriptures, we actually see our God operating as a team unit together, even in the creation of the earth. I want to show you this. This is not uh, in your notes or even going to be on the screen, but Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God, God the Father, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, he spoke the word of God, Jesus, the word that became flesh, let there be light, and there was light. So even from the very beginning uh, of Scripture, even in past eternity, our God has actually operated in team. And so for us, this is an important concept that we need to understand, that our God is a God of team. And so we try to operate like that here as a church, and I think it's one of the things that I want us to hold in our heart as we look towards where God's calling us and taking us to over this next season that we're about to step into. And so if you're new today and you haven't really been following along, we're, we're in a series that we started a few weeks ago called Rubble to Revival. Now, this series is based around the book of Nehemiah, and we're walking through the book of Nehemiah. We're doing it kind of slow. We haven't even gotten through chapter one yet, all right? But we're walking through the book of Nehemiah, and we're looking at the story of how God used a man who was burdened and brokenhearted over his hometown, Jerusalem, because its walls were burned down and in ruins. 
God took that burden and then laid conviction over Nehemiah's heart to actually do something about it. And last week we took some time and we talked about how oftentimes there's a thing that holds us back from stepping into the calling that God has for us. And we had this beautiful, powerful illustration of chains. And we talked about how many times there are chains that are uh, shackling us and holding us back from stepping into God's purposes for our life, and that the way that we break those chains is through confession. We saw all of that in Nehemiah chapter 1, and it was beautiful, and last week was a beautiful moment, and I got a chance to hear from many of you throughout the week about how God really stirred something up in you and moved in your heart and in your life last week and over this week. And I'm so grateful, I'm so encouraged uh, that God has, has done that in your life. And so we have this story of this man named Nehemiah who along the way, again, spoiler alert, Nehemiah is actually gonna lead to the wall of Jerusalem being rebuilt and we will see in the end that revival happens amongst the nation of Israel. And so we've been walking through this series and we've been talking about some of the rubble that lies in our own lives. We've been talking about some of the rubble the, the ruins that exist in our, in our culture and even here in our town. And we're looking at how this whole book and this story connects to ours and the part that God's calling us to play in our own lives and in his work here uh, on earth to bring his kingdom to earth, to bring his kingdom right here to Maiden. And so today we're gonna continue and take another step in on this incredible story. And we're gonna hear about how Nehemiah as a leader rallies a group of people around a vision to see the wall of Jerusalem be rebuilt. And how he casts this vision and he calls people to action. And so it's gonna be a really great time. So if you have your Bible, I wanna invite you to join me in Nehemiah chapter two. Um, and as you're kind of making your way there, let me just set you up. We're gonna, I'm gonna skip through the first part of Nehemiah chapter two. I'll tell you what happens. Uh, Nehemiah is serving under a king named Artaxerxes. Uh, Nehemiah is serving as a cupbearer, and the, and the king sees that Nehemiah is sad. And when he inquires what's going on, Nehemiah shares with him about his broken heart over his hometown, Jerusalem, how it's been exiled, and how it is in ruins. And then he makes a bold ask of King Artaxerxes for permission to go back to Jerusalem to do something about it. He's burdened, he's convicted, he feels called to do something about it, and he asks for permission, and King Artaxerxes not only gives him permission to go back to Jerusalem, but he sends him with resources as well. Uh, it's an incredible piece of this story. And so, I, real quick, I, I wanna just share with you something. This is a little aside, um, but as I, as, I, as I thought through that ask and the way that Nehemiah um, asked King Artaxerxes to come alongside of him and to give him permission to go. Uh, you know, the thing that stuck out to me is, is this idea that God always funds the work in the earth that he wants to see done. He always funds it. You know, I've shared this along the way, but there's been a time in, in our church's life where we were struggling. This time last year, man, we literally thought things were gonna fall apart. Um, I've shared this with some of you, and if you're new here today, there was a, a season last year where I didn't take a check for a few months. We met with our elders. We weren't sure we were gonna make it. But the thing is, is that God had clear vision for us, and along the way, he has been faithful, and he's funded the mission that he's called us to. And so this might be for you today. Maybe this is just a quick aside. This might be the only thing that God wanted you to hear today, which is this idea that if he calls you to something, he will fund it as well. The thing is, is that we experience God's blessing on the other side of obedience. Did you hear that? We experience God's blessing on the other side of obedience. When God tells us to go do something, to go start the new business, to step out and to adopt, to uh, step out and to, uh, f uh, man, maybe stay home and, and be a mom, or whatever it might be that God calls you to do, when you are obedient to do what he calls you to do, not only will he fund it, he will also bless it. I look around the room, I literally see people whose story that is true. I see people who have stepped out and they are now business owners. I see people in the room who uh, took a step of faith and stepped away from uh, working in a job and are now stay-at-home moms and running their family. I, I know of one family in our church who has stepped into adoption and God has blessed it. 
I just wanted to encourage you with this, that anytime God puts something on our heart and we're obedient to be faithful to what he says, he will fund it and he will bless it as well. And so this is where we pick up the story. Nehemiah uh, gets this permission and the resources from King Artaxerxes, and we pick this up in Nehemiah chapter two, starting in verse 11. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Uh, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So I want you to see this picture. This Nehemiah, he shows up in Jerusalem. He decides he's going to go out and survey what's going on. He didn't tell anyone what was happening, but he invited a few people to walk with him, and he was riding on a horse. Nobody else got to ride on the horse. I don't, I don't know why we needed to know that. But um, verse 13, by night, I went out through the valley gate toward the Jekyll well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went, up the, I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. Verse 16. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any, or any others who would be doing the work. So here we have Nehemiah who has this burden from God to do something about his hometown being in ruins. He has a conviction and it led him ultimately to repentance that gave him the freedom to then step into God's calling. Now he's actually walking in it and God's going to use him as a leader. And I love how this happens because if you're a leader in the room, you, you know this feeling. You know the feeling of walking around and surveying how things are going and gathering an understanding of what's good, what's not good, what do we need to fix, what do we need to work on? And he's, he's just examining all of the things and God is stirring up something and starting to put vision in his mind to give him vision of eyes, spiritual eyes, and to give him vision and conviction in his heart. Uh, I think it's interesting that he, he says something, and again, this is for, for any leader in the room, maybe this will encourage you. Uh, oftentimes, as leaders, we are called to uh, give people vision for something that they cannot see yet, and we are often called to lead people to a place that A, they didn't know they needed to go, and B, didn't know they were gonna have a part in. And so I love this in the way of leadership from Nehemiah, and I love how he starts to lead people through this. Leaders, oftentimes, we have to lead through change that others cannot see and don't even know need to happen. This is why the next few moments is so critical because Nehemiah, uh, he, he takes, and the next two verses are literally a masterclass in vision casting. Uh, if you're a leader in the room, you're a dad, you're a mom, you're, you, you run a classroom, maybe you help run a business, you're a manager, I want, you to, I want you to lean in for just a moment and I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this in two ways. One, I want you to hear how Nehemiah is setting up and casting vision for the people. But I also, as a leader, want you to grab hold of to understand and take a master class in vision casting in two verses. This is incredible, look at this. Verse 17, this is Nehemiah. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. There's six quick pieces here that I want to show you that uh, Nehemiah breaks down to cast vision over the people. He has eyes to see and he, and he has vision to lead people to a place, but he has to help them see it and understand it as well. There, there are these six things that he does. The first thing is he calls attention to the problem. He said, you see the trouble we're in? <laughs> I don't know. Hello, there's trouble. There's a problem, right? And then he explains the result of the problem. You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. 
Yo, we got a problem and this thing has fallen apart. And then the next thing that he does is he proclaims a solution. That's what good leaders do. They're solution-minded. They come up with a solution. And here's what Nehemiah says. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. This is his solution to the problem. We're in trouble. It's broken down. We got to do something about it. Let's rebuild the wall. Then he shares, hey, if, if, then he shares the results if the solution works, right? And, and he says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. <laughs> That's good news, right? We want to know how we can move from our problems into seeing things be resolved. And then I love what he does. Then the next thing he does is he shares encouragement in the Lord. He said, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And then the last thing that he does is he calls the people to action. He said, let's do this thing. And I love it. It says, they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they begin this good work. I, I, I love this part of Nehemiah. I've shared with you before. This is literally one of my favorite books. And it's an incredible book around leadership. It's an incredible book around how God wants to move in and through people. I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it to you again, because I want you to understand this, is that revival starts in the heart of men and women. God does a work in the heart of men and women, and that's where revival starts. And that's where it started in Nehemiah. And we've seen his journey so far, how God did a, a work in his heart, drew him to repentance, gave him clarity of calling, and now he's actually stepping in and walking into his calling. This is true for us as well in our own lives. But I want to explain to you that this is true of our church as well. You see, God has given me some clear vision for us as a body some things that he's calling us to step into as a, as a family right here in this town. And so I wanna just take a moment and I just wanna take that same formula and I just wanna cast some vision to you over what I believe God has shown me. There's been some long days and long nights of surveying and walking and, and considering what all is going on in our town and amongst our people. And I believe God's given me fresh vision and fresh eyes to see where we are meant to go next. And I believe my job today is to call you to some action to come and be a part of rebuilding the wall. And so for me, I think the, the problem is, it starts right here, is that the walls of our nation and the walls of our society and the walls of our families are lying in ruins. And it's happened because we have a group of mamas and daddies and men and women and people who no longer know the Lord or have any fear for him. And so because of that, our society is falling. What used to be a Christian nation no longer is a Christian nation, and it now is a Christian folly. And so we, we look and we see that we are in trouble. Anyone you talk to, you ask them, hey, how are things going? I don't know, man, doesn't look good. And this is not a political statement. This isn't because the right or the left are leading and winning and making a way. This has everything to do with the culture and where we stand in the eyes of the Lord. The people of Israel were in exile because they were disobedient to God. Why do you think we are in the place we are today? because we have been disobedient to God. And so for me, that's the problem. And I think that we have seen this issue because as a culture, you know what ha what's happened? We have been too busy chasing the American dream and in the way we caught an idol of comfort. We are too comfortable. We're just too comfortable. We got it all. We got all the money, we got all the cars, we got all the houses, all the boats, all the food. We got it. Why do we need to worry? Why do we need the Lord when we already got it? And if I don't have it, I got the money, I'll just go buy it. You were sold on an American dream, and in the way, you caught the American idol. And so no wonder, no wonder we don't need the Lord. No wonder we don't care what he says because he's gonna call us to turn and step away from those things and we're too comfortable. 
man, I get upset when I walk in here and it's a little too hot. Like it, the lights are a little warm and I'm sweating. I get upset with that. Could you imagine if we had to meet outside? How many of us would actually show up? I've asked you this before. How many of us would actually show up consistently to hear the word of God preached and to gather with a group of believers if we were not in the comfort of air conditioning in this beautiful space? Ask yourself that question. Literally, seriously, in your own heart. Would you show up? I think it's a fair question. We're in trouble. What does it look like? Well, we've had at least two generations now of men and women and families who have no fear of the Lord and now their children and our grandchildren have no idea what the Lord has done for us or even who he is. What does that look like? It looks like tradition of religion. <laughs> We've shown up to church, yo. We've been, we, we actually know all of the things about God. We actually just don't know him. Our children and grandchildren are raised up. They know all about God because we drug them to church, but they had no relationship with God. So when they ran off to college and when they got their own jobs and their own families, they didn't bother with it because there was no relationship to draw them back in. It was just religion. And this is what it looks like for us. So the solution to see revival happen amongst our nation, amongst our, amongst our town, it has to first start in our families and in the hearts of men and women. It starts with you. It starts with you. Your heart, your desires to follow in the ways of the Lord, to be a real disciple, not just a believer, but to be a real disciple, it starts with us. Many of us, if I were to ask you, what's the solution? You would tell me about a candidate. Could I tell you today that no candidate will help solve this problem? Even if they are a believer or not, this problem starts in your house. This problem starts in your heart. So the solution starts in your heart and in your house. And I believe that when we see God move our hearts, we will see him move our families, we will see him move our town, and then from town to town to county to state to nation, we will see God do a mighty work in and amongst our nation. And then we will see and we will look back and understand how just like we look at Nehemiah's story, the wall of Jerusalem was in rubble and we will in the end see revival. I believe that we can say this and see this exact same thing happen in our life. I believe we can, but guess what? Us. It starts with God doing a work in us. When is the last time you've asked God to do that? Hey, God, this country sucks. We need help. Will you start in me? When God does a work in our hearts, it will overflow into our families. It will then overflow into our schools, into our workplaces, into who we vote for, into all of the other pieces and components. Because I can just tell you this, when the people of God are on mission, fired up, bought in, will give and do whatever it takes for God's purposes to come to this earth, kingdom to come to this earth, heaven to come to this earth. Nothing can stop God's people. Nothing can stop God. This is what it will look like. Jesus wants to see your marriages be healed. I don't know if you know this, but the divorce rate in the church is the exact same divorce rate in our culture. Unacceptable. This ain't it, guys. The one who started the institution of marriage, who then has a church meant to equip and lead us in it, has the same divorce rate as the pagan world? No way. It's another byproduct of the fact that we've lost fear of the Lord and we don't know who he is. So today, home church, I came to call you to action. I believe the Lord has given us fresh vision. I believe the Lord is calling us into a new season. As a church for the last two and a half years, frankly, we've just survived. 
We made it week to week. We found a way to just survive. We made it through the troubles, but we are walking and stepping into a new season where God is calling us no longer to just survive, but to advance. Not to advance the name of home church, but to advance God's kingdom right here in Maiden. And wherever it goes from there, we'll see. I don't know, but we're gonna start right here. And by the way, it starts right here. It starts right here. And so I wanna call you like Nehemiah did, and I wanna, I wanna cast this vision so that you understand where we are, the results of that problem, what the solution is, and by the way, the solution is always God working in and amongst his people, but when that happens, what it will look like, I believe God is for us and with us, and now he's calling us to be a part of it. Their reply, when they heard this vision, they said, let us begin this good work. That was the people, not Nehemiah. He didn't say that. The people responded. Let us begin this good work. Well, how do we know it's gonna work, pastor? What does it mean? What does it look like? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Philippians 1 Paul is writing to a church in Philippi that is dealing with many of the same things that we're doing. And here's what he reminded them. He said uh, in verse six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We've been called to a good work and our father is faithful. Jesus is faithful to see that good work come to completion as a promise from the Lord. It's a promise from the Lord. He said he would build his church and he said he will see it through until he comes back to take his church back home with him. Was there gonna be some opposition? <laughs> yeah, of course there is. Can you imagine when the enemy finds out that God's people are experiencing a heart change and that they're stepping into the calling of God and that an entire town has a target on its back for God's purposes? Can you imagine what the enemy's gonna try to do to you and to us? Get ready. And it just won't be the enemy, by the way. It will be people who call themselves believers as well. And here's what they'll say. Look at what that happened to Nehemiah, verse, uh, verse 19. But when Sanballat, the Hornerite, Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about this work, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. <laughs> what is this you're doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Are you rebelling against the president? Are you rebelling against the tradition? <laughs> Verse 20, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Did you see that? Leave that verse up there. The God of heaven will give us success. We, we, you and me, you, 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 you and me, 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 all of us, we, we, the servants, will start rebuilding. The wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt in 52 days. We're gonna talk about this next week. But the rebuilding wasn't the final piece. The rebuilding was a part of the restoration. Revival came after that. And so church, I got news for you. There is going to be some hard work of rebuilding especially here in our town and in our lives and in our families first. Revival will not come until restoration has happened first. Do not expect wild moves of God in the next week. I expect it to happen any moment. <laughs> because as we do a work of restoration in our own lives and in our town, you'll see God's gonna draw people to himself. He's gonna save, he's gonna restore. And at the end of this story, you're gonna see throngs and throngs of people coming back to God's house to follow in the ways of the Lord and dedicating their life to doing what Yahweh said to do. And friends, 
I believe that can happen in our town. I really do. I believe this is the calling that God has placed on our church's life over the next season. And so, what does that look like? For you, practically, for you, first and foremost. God wants to do a work in us. So we've been talking about this over this series. What are the burdens that God's put on your life? What are the convictions of the things that are wrong in this world that you feel like you've got to do something about? If you were not here last week, I wanna tell you that if there's anything holding you back, I can tell you that confession crushes the chains that are holding you back from stepping into God's calling. And for many of you, you crushed those chains last week. And listen, that's a continual crushing, by the way. You're gonna have to continue to keep breaking those chains and not allowing the enemy to bind them back up. You're gonna have to keep walking in it. But when you do walk in the purposes of God, you get way more excited and bought into that than worrying about the chains that you had along the way. So my question for you is this, what are the things that God is calling you to step into? What does that look like for you? What team are you meant to operate on? Can I just say this for those of you that you like to be a lone wolf, man, I get it, I understand, but in the way that God works, he wants to use you amongst the team. And oh, by the way, your team can just be, I mean, it can be your family. It could be your husband, your, your wife, your, your grandmother, your mother, your grandfather, your children. Team can look like that. Team can look like a home group. We have home groups that meet all around our area. Your, your home group could be the team in which you rally around. Maybe it's on a serving team. I don't know, maybe it's your coworkers. I don't know what team you're meant to play your part on, but God has all of us and he wants us to operate in team. That's where he's gonna use you. You got a part to play on that team. Man, there's nothing worse than having a really good football team and no quarterback. <laughs> Hello, Panthers, all right? Yo, we've had a defense that could win us a Super Bowl and we had nobody who could throw the rock. Thank you, Lord, for Bryce Young. May you bless his arm in the name of Jesus. <laughs> And for you Cowboy fans, we're still just praying for your salvation. So that's, I mean, just saying. <laughs> oh, man. But, but, I, but my Panthers can't win without a quarterback. But now that we got Bryce Young, now we see maybe, maybe our O-line's not so good. Oh, man. We need some big boys to block, right? The point I'm trying to show you is this, is that, Whatever part of the team you are called to, your purposes are vital. We need quarterbacks and we need kickers. <laughs> we need coaches and we need doctors. We need general managers and we need custodians. When you take the gifting and the burden that God has put on your heart and you put them together and you step into whatever team aspect that looks like. God wants to use you in a mighty way. And the problem is, is that again, the American Idol says, yo, I made it, I got this. Nah, homie, you ain't got nothing. We will make it when we get him in here and we do the work he calls us to. That's the game plan. So I, I want you to understand that you have a part to play. And I wanna take some time here and, and, and I'll do this pretty quickly, but God is calling us as a church into some things. And I wanna tell you because I'm really excited about the vision that he's given us to step into over this fall. I want you to, I want you to buy in and get excited about some of these things. I wanna give you the result part in mind first. And the results start with this. It starts around the vision God's called us to to reach people who are far from God and to teach them how to live as they follow Jesus step by step. That's what we're after. To, to reach people far from God and to teach them how to live as they follow Jesus 
step by step. That's the result in mind. Why? Why why are we chasing after that? It's real simple. Because when we do that, our God will get glory and we will experience good. You understand that? When we chase after what he's called us to, our God will get glory by it. And oh, by the way, we're going to get to experience good too. When we become faithful to our God, who has been faithful to us, when we become faithful, when we live in righteousness and holiness as his people, that's what he calls us to. He says, you're to be holy and righteous as he is holy and righteous. When we raise up the next generation in the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they really won't depart from it. And by the way, not just the ways of the Lord, but showing them how much we love our Savior so that they will come to know him, know him, and love him as well. I think the saddest thing for my three boys is knowing right now they are hearing about Jesus on their level in Treehouse Kids. But God forbid if that's all they ever do is learn about him and they don't actually come to know him. That's the prayer for my boys. That's the prayer for Rhett. That's the prayer for the three C's, man. Like, this is it. Like, this is what we want for our children. And it's not just for the little ones. This is for Elias and and Jackson. And I mean, this is for our students as well. This is for our young adults. This This is for our people. We want this for them. We want them to not just know about the Lord, but to actually know him. We want to see God pour out his spirit amongst us. That we would sense a move of God and we would be an active participant in that. Not just a pew dweller, not just a seat taker, but a contributor in the work that God wants to do in and amongst us, right? We have built a foundation in this house of faith. Even when it didn't look like it was going to work, we were still faithful. And we will continue to be faithful. And I want to call you into that as well. Come. Come be faithful with us. So what does this look like? There's some incredible things that are going to happen over the fall. Uh, Starting on uh, Sunday, September the 10th, okay, Starting on Sunday, September the 10th, uh, we're gonna have a special service that day where we're going to talk about how we believe that the, pra- the praise of our Lord precedes his presence. We're gonna praise and worship Lord, the Lord. Then that night, we're gonna have a night of worship right here. Ten, 6 p.m. on Sunday, September the 10th. It's gonna be a night of worship right here. It's gonna be incredible. And then that entire week afterwards, we're gonna do something wild, <laughs> something wild. At 6.30 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m., Monday through Saturday, whoever wants to join me, we're going to meet at the gazebo and we're going to walk our town and pray over it. We're going to pray over people. We're going to pray over this school. We're going to pray over our town every day for an entire week, 6.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. Listen, I know you can't come to all that. And I know some of you are like, yo, I can't come to any of it. I want to call you to break away. This is the point of it. It's calling you to sacrifice. What will you have to say no to to say yes to just showing up and walking around your town and praying that God would move here? I'll be here every time. Hey, you can make it once, great, come. You can come every day, awesome. We're not making a show of it. We're not gonna be standing out there with a megaphone and street preaching, none of that. We're just literally gonna walk and pray that God would change our heart and change the hearts of men and women in our town. And then it's all gonna lead up to Sunday, September the 17th. And this is Take the Town Sunday. 
We're gonna be promoting the mess out of this everywhere. Flyers, social media, handouts, you name it, we're doing it. We wanna see as many people fill this place on Sunday, September the 17th. In fact, we're actually gonna spread out and do two gatherings that day. 9.30 and 11.15 to make room for what I believe God is gonna bring into this house. It's gonna be incredible. But you got a part to play. You gotta tell people, you gotta invite people. And here's what I can promise you. That day, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be presented clearly and in a way that anyone can grab hold of and we will see God start to do a work in and amongst people's hearts. How do we take the town? One heart at a time one family at a time, one neighborhood at a time, then one town at a time, one county at a time, one state at a time, and then we will see our nation turned. That's not it. My prayer is that God will bring so many people that after that Sunday, we won't go back to one service. We're actually planning, our team is preparing. We will begin two services starting the next Sunday, moving forward. 9.30 and 11.15 every Sunday because we believe we're gonna need the room. We believe that. In fact, here's what I'm asking you to pray for, that we will see over 300 people on Take the Town Sunday and that we would see at least, God save at least 10 people. And then from there on that we would have the need for two gatherings moving forward. I believe that. That's the thing God's put in my heart for us. Our staff team, has been preparing for that already for two months. We're not done. Right after that, we're gonna start a new series called House of Hope. One of the things that God has made clear to me is that people all over are looking for hope and they don't know where to find it. So we're gonna do an entire series that's gonna, I don't even know how long it's gonna take. I'll preach it till it's dead. But we're gonna teach through Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith chapter. And we will go verse by verse, story by story, and show people the hope that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we will fill this town with hope. And I can promise you this, I can't promise you many things. But a promise I can make to you and you can make to anyone else is if you encounter someone who is looking for hope, I guarantee you, if they show up on a Sunday, they will hear about hope. They will, I guarantee it, I promise you. That's all I'm gonna preach for the next season is hope in Jesus. Uh, Then we're gonna get involved in our community. Uh, We're gonna do something, how many folks are from Bandy's? Y'all, Bandy's folks, traveling, yeah, yeah, we got, look at that, we got a crew from Bandy's. So here's what we're gonna do, Friday night, October the 6th, uh, Bandy's travels here to Maiden to play football. We're gonna bring the community together. And I know it's a rivalry. I know y'all don't like each other, but guess what? If we're gonna see this town changed, who gives a crap about a football game? We will throw, we'll have food. We're gonna play football. We're gonna have music. We're gonna throw an event that Bandy's and Maiden, I don't know, North Lincoln, whoever, Bunker Hill, all y'all little rivals, come on together and we're gonna have some fun. Then you can go and play your football game and hate each other for an hour. Then we come back and we love each other again, right? We're gonna throw a fall festival for our community. We have a family in our church who has a a, a plot of land that they wanna help us throw a fall festival. We're gonna have a serve day in November. Uh, We're gonna be a part of the Christmas parades. Listen, I'm telling you, for the last season as a church, all we've tried to do is survive no more. No more. It is time to advance, and it is time to advance God's kingdom. It's gonna be an incredible season. But you have a part to play. I I need you to understand, this can't just happen with just me. This can't even just happen with just our staff team. All of us have a part to play. So I wanna call you to that. I wanna call you to come and to play your part. So I wanna tell you about four areas in our church that need your gifting. Real quick, four areas. 
These four areas need your gifting. For us to continue to grow, to continue to be able to reach more people, we need, listen, and some people, church consultants would be watching online right now that say, you don't tell people what you need. No, no, no. In the house of God, we tell our family what it is we need so that those needs will be met. We need people who actually like kids. <laughs> okay? We need people who actually like kids to serve in Treehouse Kids. Pause. One of the reasons that a lot of people don't serve in Treehouse Kids is because right now we only do one gathering and many of them miss coming to church. Hey, Miss Rose, I'm not gonna embarrass you. That woman right there, faithful. You are a faithful servant of God. That woman misses church all the time, like so many of our Treehouse Kids volunteers to serve our families and our kiddos. You serve my boys. You serve my boys so I can stand here and do this. Thank you. <clears throat> One of the main reasons we're moving to two services is so that people like Miss Rose can come to church every Sunday. But in that, we have a gap to fill. And so we want to serve our people, but we also need to serve our kids. Would you commit to taking a step in? You'll get to come to church and you'll get to serve. If that's a gifting and a burden on your heart, today, today, don't walk home, don't let the enemy convince you, you ain't got time for it, you can't do it. Today, go to the Treehouse Kids kiosk, find Heather, find Katie, find Aaron, and say, I'm in, I don't know how much, I don't know what, I don't know how, but I'm in. Next is our load-in, load-out team. Man, you guys come in and the church is already built, that's pretty nice. And until God gives us a building, we will load in and load out. But man, I just need you to know, especially moving to two gatherings, it's gonna be a little harder. We need some of you guys to step in, not just guys, we need some of you people <laughs> to step in and help with load in, load out. By the way, listen, it's not heavy lifting. You're not, uh, well, two people have to lift the TVs, but that's it. <laughs> um, it's really just helping move stuff around. You show up an hour early, Stick around for a few minutes afterwards. There's a need there. Greeters. So today, I watched five new folks walk in our church. Three of them I ran to personally to try to say hello. We need some people who love people, who are on the lookout for people who are coming, looking for hope, can greet them, show them around, and help them find a house that they can feel welcomed in. Man, I tell you what, you show up to my house, you're not just gonna walk in the door and meander around without me hosting you and walking you around and greeting you and serving you. We need some folks who can step in and help us greet from the parking lot all the way into the auditorium. You can smile, you can say good morning, you can serve. <laughs> and the last is this, um, in the back of our room, we have an entire team who makes this service happen. Uh, we call them our production team. Here's what's awesome. Only two of them have ever really done anything like this before. There are uh, students, literally our entire lighting team is made up of students. <laughs> I love it. Students running the lighting. Our pro presenter team, the people who make all the slides show up, both mamas. They ain't tech savvy. I love you, Jenny, but she ain't tech savvy. We just taught her. She's pushing the buttons. She knows it. Uh, uh, the guys who run our cameras, man, you ask them to take a picture on their iPhone, they can't even do it. But we've taught them how to, make, how to like turn this thing and they do it. It's awesome and they're great and they love it. I just wonder if some of you have some desire to help us create this environment would you step into it? And so if any of that intrigues you today and you feel the tug of God on you to play a part, I wanna invite you in. Stop by our guest services area today. Tell them 
give them your name. Our team will follow up with you this week. We'll help you take a step in. We want to make it simple, right? Here's the last thing I will say to you. And it's the same thing that the people said to Nehemiah. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And so church, I'll call you to the same thing. That you would allow God to do a restoring work in your heart. That you would get busy helping rebuild the walls in your lives and in your families. And that you would come and work arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder with us in the rebuilding of the wall here in our town. That we would see restoration happen and ultimately you and I would get the benefit of watching God like just do an incredible work and revive spiritually this town. Come be a part. Come be a part of God's work in the earth. Come be a part of God putting a a calling on you. The God of the universe who's spoken into existence has a part for you to play in his kingdom. Can you imagine? What an incredible gift. Come. Let us start rebuilding. Would you stay on your feet? The invitation today is real simple. What's it look like for you to start rebuilding? I wanna pray over you. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for vision. God, I thank you for encouragement. God, I thank you for the work that you want to do in the earth. And God, I thank you for the vision of the work that you want to do in this house and in our town. God, you've been faithful. Your people were disobedient and yet you were faithful to forgive. Your people repented and you were faithful to forgive. Your people, you put a burden over their heart and you were faithful to give them a calling. God, you were faithful to see them restore and you were faithful to bring revival. And so God, we've seen that work in your scripture and we believe that you will want to do that work again. We believe that you wanna do that work in our town. And God, we believe that you wanna do that work starting in us and with us. And so, Father, I I thank you. I pray that you would stir the hearts of your people today for the vision that you have for us and that you would give us clarity over the steps that you are calling us to take, the team that we are meant to work with. God, you don't need any of us. You don't need us. But God, we pray that you would use us. You've done this work before. God, we pray that you would do it again. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come church, let's sing. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.